Um, before I get into the message, um, tomorrow is uh, Martin Luther King Day, and normally every year we do something to, uh, to honor his memory and his legacy, and um, normally we may recommend a book or something, the elders will come up and recommend a book or what have you. But what we decided to do this year was just um, <clears throat> have me share a little bit of my story. Um, uh, I've um, always, even from a child, had a desire for reconciliation and unity among the races. I don't really like the word reconciliation anymore, but, but unity uh, among, the, among the races, even as a child, even before I got saved. And, um, and it was just something I just think that God just put in my heart as a young, as a young man. And uh, so I've always uh, had that desire, and I've always sought to um, have friends who didn't look like me. And so, um, and I was intentional about that, um, even, at, even as, at an early age. And so, um, and then when I got saved and started reading the scriptures, I saw that that was also God's idea, <laughs> so to speak. You know what I'm saying? It was God's idea to reconcile all people back, back to each other, first of all to himself and then to each other. And so, um, I think it became even a stronger burden then. And so, um, and so when, when, when Chris and I, uh, started this church, or even talked about starting this church. That was always part of the plan to have a multi-ethnic church. And if you're going to do that, if you want that, you're going to have to be intentional about it. It's not going to happen by osmosis. You have to intentionally go out and kind of make that happen, quote unquote, so to speak. And so, um, as you all know, that's one of our core commitments um, as in this church is to reconcile people across all types of barriers, and one of them being race and culture um, and ethnicity. So. So, um, and even now, even to this day, um, I visit churches on Sunday mornings all the time, you know, because we don't meet till five o'clock and I just love being in church on Sunday mornings. So I usually go visit um, a church on Sunday mornings and there's different ones that I, there's a, hand, a handful of them that I visit, um, visit on a regular basis. And a lot of them um, are white churches um, that I go to. And I do that on purpose. <laughs> I do that on purpose. Um, because first of all, I like to experience different cultures and different types of worship and so on and so forth. But also, um, because that's been my heart and my passion, um, I do that to, to hopefully play my small part in that and bringing people together um, in, in unity. And so I show up, and sometimes I'm the only black guy there. <laughs> and I just say, hey, I'm here, black guy, what you gonna do with me? You know, so <laughs> and I just, and we, I just show up, and, and, and the thing is I love, and I'm, I'm kind of making a joke about it, but I've made some great friends that way. I've made some great friends. I was a part of a church um, before Chris and I started this church. I was a part of a church where I was the only black member there, you know. Um, and so, uh, and I've never, I've always been able to, to um, go between both cultures kind of comfortably. When I mean comfortably, like, you know, even when I'm amongst um, a bunch of white people, I don't necessarily feel odd, you know, um, because I've been doing it for so long. You know, it's just become like almost second nature to me, you know, a lot of times. I'm, but anyway, my point is, Dr. King's legacy was to see that happen. And so God, even before I got saved, put that in my heart as well, even before I even knew who Martin Luther King was. You know, um, I, don't, I can't tell you when that started. It was probably around 11 or 12 years old when I started thinking like that. Um, but, uh, uh, and I thank God, when I learned about him and what his plan was, it kind of 
obviously gelled with me. Um, so, so, and even, even here at our church, our eldership is diverse, and that's on purpose. Now, we don't just point anybody as an elder, but as you know, we have two black elders and two white elders, and that just happens the way it turned out. You know, we didn't really try to do that on purpose. It just happened to be that way. And so I think God is honoring our heart and our desire to do that. And I love the fact that we are, and I visit, some of the churches I visit are very are multicultural, and I go there on purpose too. I go to, I love to go to multi-ethnic, multicultural churches and worship together. It's a, little, a small little taste of what heaven's going to look like, you know, and I like to see that down here sometimes. And so, and I, and I visit, I, I visit all black churches too sometimes. I don't just visit, um, I, there's two, Chi- two Asian churches that I visit. And one of them is um, Pittsburgh Chinese Church out of McCandless. I drive out to McCandless and go visit that church. Um, uh, Korean church in Shadyside. So I go there, um, and, and some of the churches are black, because I do, I do go to black church because I love that black church experience. You know, I came out of a black Pentecostal church. <laughs> it was really different than this. <laughs> you know, and so, so I go and visit, think of that experience. I love that, the, the music and the worship, and um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, and so I do go that, I do that on purpose. But I like to get a mixture, I go to get a different flavor of, of different cultures. And so, and so we decided to just um, hear my story. Uh, Chris and I, um, actually, here's a picture of Chris and I when we went to uh, the Martin Luther King 50th anniversary celebration in Memphis in 2018. Um, this is us outside. We were walking uh, to one of the speeches, I, I think, and we decided to take a picture of us together. Um, and this is from 2018, Chris and I. Um, Living out Dr. Dreams, Dr. King's dream. <laughs> there was another picture we had in front of in front of us in front of the Lorraine Motel, and I couldn't find it. But anyway, and this, like I said, this is our eldership, you know, which is diverse. And so, so we just decided rather than than do some other thing, just to have me share my story. And um, and I and I thank God that He's given me that that heart and that desire. It's not always easy on either side, you know, because black folk can look at me funny and white folk can look at me funny, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, understand, not understanding, you know, my heart. Uh, also, um, my brother Eric brought me a book back from Virginia uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, any, are you all familiar with A Letter from a Birmingham Jail, the letter Martin Luther King wrote, A Letter from a Birmingham Jail? If you haven't, please read that letter. It's a letter he wrote to uh, white uh, ministers in particular um, about the, the whole civil rights movement and they were trying to get him to kind of back off a little bit. You know, you're being too aggressive, blah, 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 blah. So he wrote a letter to them. He was in jail for, for protesting. And um, so he wrote a letter, and it's called A Letter from a Birmingham Jail. It's an excellent, please, please read that letter. But this book was written, 50 years later, it was written in 2013 um, from some uh, modern-day preachers in response to his letter 50 years later. And it's called Letters to a Birmingham Jail. And it's a very good book from, uh, and some of the contributors are Brian Loritz, Crawford Loritz, John Piper, John Perkins, Matt Chandler, and others, um, who are responding to his, Martin Luther King's letter 50 years later. Um, it's called Letters to a Birmingham Jail, and I highly recommend it. And there's so many books that you could, we could, you could read, and we recommended some in the past, but um, um, if you want to know some more, please just come see me. But, um, but I thank God for this church uh, that, uh, that we are we are committed to that, to living out um, uh, unity among, among, among races in particular. And, um, and I think we all, I don't think anybody disagrees with that, that tenet of, our, of, our, of our, uh, uh, one of our core commitments. So um, I thank you all for, for, for being in this battle with us. And listen, it has been easy. We've, we've lost some members because of this. In the past, we've had, we've had some tough conversations with people. Some people have decided to leave, and that's fine. You know, we expect that, and that's, that's fine, that's cool. But we're not going to back off 
because people are uncomfortable or don't like, you know, what we stand for or whatever. You know, um, we're trying to be biblical. That's a biblical concept, and we're trying to be biblical. And so thank you all for being in the battle with us. We appreciate it. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, in Genesis, um, we're still in our second week in Jesus in Genesis. We're going to be now, <laughs> I have a very difficult task of explaining creation to you. <laughs> the first chapter of Genesis. Now, there's 31 verses, okay? And I'm going to try to get through all 31 in 45 minutes. Okay, so pray for your boy. All right, but Genesis, now obviously I'm not going to, I can't exegete all the verses. I'm going to skip, I'm going to go through some very, very quickly. But I'm going to obviously um, take some time on others. But I'm going to go through Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 31, the creation narrative. All right, starting in Genesis chapter 1, and it reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So, first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you can get that, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the rest of the Bible is easy. What do I mean by that? If God can do this, if he can create the heavens and the earth just by speaking into existence, which we're going to look at, what can he not do? He can't walk on water. He can't make the sun stop for 24 hours. He can't do, he can't create a fish big enough to swallow a man. If, he can, if you can get this, the rest of the Bible is easy. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, in the beginning, which is the beginning of the universe and space and time. That's what he's talking about in the beginning, because God is op operates outside of time. He's eternal. He doesn't have time. But in the beginning, the beginning of space and time, God Elohim is the word in Hebrew, and it's used 32 times in, in the book of Genesis. Now, there's many names for God. There's Jehovah, self-existent one. There's El Shaddai, the almighty God, El Elyon, you know, different names of God. But in here, in this verse, in the beginning, God right here, the word is Elohim, and it means supreme deity, strong one, mighty leader, okay? And it's grammatically plural, but it doesn't mean that there's more than one God. Um, it's talking about a plural of majesty. Um, okay, so Elohim, this God, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. It's the plural of El. El is the meaning for God in Hebrew, El. But this is the plural of El, Elohim. Now, it has been suggested, and it may be true, that because it's plural, it suggests the Trinity. Okay, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, because God is one in essence, plural in, uh, um, in personhood, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in the beginning of everything, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. That word created is, is um, bara, B-A-R-A, okay? And it means to create or to, or to simply make. And it only has God as its subject. Only God can bara. B-A-R-A, create in that sense, which means only God can create in the sense of this word. This word, you can't apply this word to anybody else other than God. When you say bara, that means God only. Nobody else can create out of nothing. Ex nihilo is the Hebrew term. God created, he borrowed out of nothing. He created the world out of nothing. He spoke it into existence. And he, it is, the word is God. So God created, in the beginning, God created. 
the heavens and the earth. Now, we're going to see seven truths upon which the rest of the Bible is based. Just briefly. One of them is, first of all, God exists. You know, the Bible just starts out saying, in the beginning, God. It's not talk, it, it doesn't start out arguing whether he exists or not. It assumes his existence. In the beginning, God, period. So, there's no question about whether he exists or not. <laughs> in the beginning, God. God exists. God existed before the universe. God created the universe. God is the main character of the Bible. It's all about him. It's not about you. God done something that nobody else could ever do. He created out of nothing. Ex nihilo. Five, God is mysterious. You understand that it's just not, you're not going to understand everything about God. He's beyond our comprehension. Now, he reveals some things to us in the scripture, the things that we need to know. But God is mysterious. Even in fact, even the Trinity is a mysterious uh, thing about God. Now, not, in, not mysterious in the sense that we don't know that he is, but how that he is. Nobody can really explain the Trinity. You know, the Bible teaches that he is, but it doesn't really explain how he is. So it's mysterious in that sense. Okay? All right. God is creator. We're going to see that as we go on. He's creator. He creates out of nothing. And God is not dependent upon the universe. The universe is dependent upon God. You know, you hear nowadays, we, people try to personify the universe. Oh, the, the universe really blessed you, and the universe did this, and the universe did that. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth, which is simply everything. God created everything. All of creation, all that you see, God created. And we're going to look at some of those things. God existed before, before time and space in a realm outside of both. He existed before time and space in a realm outside of time and space. And that's kind of hard for us to understand because we are not eternal beings, so we, time is always on our mind. We, you know, when did that start? When did that begin? When is that going to end? But God doesn't think like that. God is eternal, so he existed outside of time and space. We see the eternal power of God, the creator. He creates with complete effortlessness. <laughs> he creates without a problem. <laughs> God didn't, you know, when he said, let there be light, when God created, you know, it, it immediately appeared. He does it like breathing to us. Effortlessly, God creates. Okay? So let's look at the Bible confirms this. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. Talking about Jesus. This is really talking about Jesus' deity. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. Exact expression of his nature. The sun is just like the father in his essence and being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Sustaining all things by the power of his word. God created the, wor the world with words and he sustains it by his word. Don't move. Doesn't go anywhere. Psalm 33, the heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. We serve an awesome God. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth and the stars by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it came into existence. That's all that happened. God just said, let there be and there was. No struggle. He just said, let there be. And there was. Okay. Uh, 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. The earth was formless and empty. It means it was desolate. It was uninhabited place. It lacked order and it lacked content. That's what that means. And it was absence of light. See, it was, it was uh, formless, empty, and dark. And it covered the surface of the watery depth. So it was absence of light. Now, um, some people think in, 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 in theological arenas, uh, there's something called the gap theory, which teaches that something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. They said, okay, something must have happened between verse 1 and verse 2. Because why would it be formless and empty if God created it? Now, some people think in between verse 1 and verse 2, that's where Satan fell. And because he fell to the earth, it became formless and empty. But the construction of the sentence doesn't favor that. It says some people will put it, some people say the earth became formless and empty. But that's not what the Bible says. It says it was. Okay? And that's an in-house debate, if you will, um, about that, whether we want to believe that or not. But that's what that means. Uh, formless, the word is tohu, T-O-H-U, and it means waste. It was not yet put into shape. Okay? Empty, the word is bohu, B-O-H-U, and it means to be empty. Um, God formed and filled the creator, his creative handiwork in six days. We're going to look at that. He formed and filled his creative handiwork in six days. Days one to three, he formed, and then days four to six, he filled. Okay? So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. Okay. Um, forming was done by means of three acts of separating or sorting elements from one another. And then the filling was done through five acts of populating the newly created domain or the newly created world. I'm going to look at those. But first of all, let's look at Isaiah chapter 45. For this is what the Lord says. God is the creator of the heavens. This is God. This is what he said. God is the creator of the heavens. He formed the earth and he made it. He established it. He did not create it to be empty. Did you see that? He didn't create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. I am Yahweh and there is no other. So I didn't create the, the, the world to be empty. I created it to be inhabited. And we're, we're going to look at what he did. Okay. All right. Um, now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. That's talking about the earth's water was covered uh, the surface before dry land emerged, okay? Earth's water covered the surface before dry land emerged. It was a watery mass, okay? Um, the word is tehom, T-E-H-O-M, and it means a surging, a raging, primeval waters it's talking about, okay? Um, and it says, and the, the darkness covered the surface of the watery depth. And then it says, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, here we see the first mention of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. The Spirit was watching over his creation like a bird over its young. You ever see a, a bird hovering over their nest, over their young? That's what it was like the Holy Spirit was doing. The Holy Spirit pretty much sat upon the waters. Okay, the Spirit of God. And there's a sense of expectation with him doing that. Something is about to happen. He's sitting on, this, on, on the waters, the Spirit of God. Okay? Formless, empty, dark, 
but the Spirit of God is hovering over. It is a, it is a scripture in the book of Deuteronomy. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his own inheritance. He found him in a desolate land, in a barren, howling wilderness that were desolate again. He surrounded him, cared for him, and protected him as a pupil of his eye. He watches over his nest like an eagle and hovers over his young, talking about God. Same thing the Holy Spirit is doing. He watches over his nest like an eagle and hovers over his young. He spreads his wings, catches him, and lifts him up on his pinions. That's talking about God's protection of us. Amen? So the Spirit of God uh, is hovering over the waters. Now, Genesis chapter 3, this is day one. Then God said, we're going to see that over and over again. Then God said, an announcement. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's as simple as that. The foundational teaching is that God speaks and things are created. God speaks and then it happens. God is the only one who can do that. Speak things into it. The Bible says he calls things that are not as though they were. Only God. He says God does that, not you. And there's a teaching out there that says you, you need to do like God and speak things. No, you don't have the power to do that. It says God who calls things that are not as though they were. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. The first of God's creative works is light. In Hebrew ideology, the first word spoken by an individual is indicative of their character. God dispels the darkness with his first command. The first thing he does is he dispels the darkness. He says, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good and separated the light from darkness. The Bible says God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. This light is used so many times in Scripture um, as a metaphor for, for God and for Jesus. Matter of fact, um, the Bible says Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In him was life, and he is the light of men. John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my, my children walk in the truth in the light. The Bible uses light and darkness in contrast to one another. Truth and error, good and evil, light and darkness. And the first thing God does is get rid of the darkness. He saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. He separates light from darkness. That's the first thing he does. God saw the light, said it was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. Evening came, and then morning, the first day. Okay, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Did you hear that? Did you see that? It says, the God of this age has blinded the mind. Blindness is darkness. People who are blind can't see. They're always in darkness. So this is talking about a darkness of your heart, a blindness of your heart. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. It's a, it's a heart blindness. You can, you can, 
I'm not talking about physical blindness. I remember Stevie Wonder said something a long time ago. He said, just because you can't see don't mean you don't have vision. I thought that was a great statement. He said, I can't see, but that don't mean I have vision. See, sight is a, is, a, is a physical thing. Vision is a heart thing. So you can be blind and still have vision. But we're talking about spiritual blindness here. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. For God who said that light shine out of darkness. Remember, God separated the light from the darkness. God said, let light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So, see, before we get saved, we're blind. And Ephesians talks about the darkness of our hearts. We're blind. And God has to, turn, quote, unquote, turn the light on in our hearts. And that's what he's talking about here. He said the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see. We couldn't see before God turned on the light. He said, now this God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts. So God has shown the gospel of Jesus Christ in our hearts. And now we can see that's why that's you got saved. Because the light was turned on. And only God, that's why salvation is such a miracle. Only God can turn the light of your dark heart on. Only God can do that. You didn't decide to come to Jesus. You decided because Jesus already decided, I want him, I want her. And so because of that, he turned on the light. The Bible says he caused you to be made alive. You didn't cause yourself. He caused you to be made alive, Ephesians chapter 2. He said, let light shine out of darkness. Let the light of the gospel shine out of the darkness of Eddie's sinful heart so that he can see who Jesus really is and surrender his life. To give the light, that word again, of the knowledge of God's glory. How? In the face of Jesus Christ. That's where the light is shown. In the face of Jesus Christ. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, Jesus Christ. So God, who causes light to shine out of darkness. So, in the beginning, we see God, and then we see light, who's representative of Jesus Christ, and then the Holy Spirit hovering over. So we see the Trinity in the first two verses of the Bible. Jesus is the light. Let there be light. Then he says, uh, Duh, let the darkness cover the watery surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then, here we go. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. That word is yom. It, is, it, 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 it can either mean a 24-hour period or an unspecified duration of time. God called the light day and he called the darkness night, which is Layla, a period when it's, when it's dark. That's what it means. And he separated. And that separation is an act of dominion on God's part. God can separate the light from the darkness because he created it. All right? And he called the darkness night. Evening came and, the, and then morning, the first day. Now, the, the nighttime in, in Hebrew uh, time, the night is divided into three watches. 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. is the first watch. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is the second watch. And 2 a.m. to sunrise is the third watch. So Jews count the day starting at 6 p.m. That's why Jews who uh, still, you know, follow the law, they have, on Friday evening, they have to be in the house by, 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 by sundown. 
I work with a doctor, <laughs> and he's Jewish, Orthodox Jew, uh, Orthodox Jew. And every and the, during this time of year, when it gets dark early, he has to be out of there before it gets dark. Now, yeah, he has to be out of there before it gets dark. And if he's not, he gets nervous because he's a committed Jew. He's trying to follow. It. He wants to obey God. And sometimes he'll have somebody else cover for him while he goes. He goes home. He's he's a Jew. All right. Now. We don't have to do that today, all right? Amen? All right, now, first day. Verse 6. Then God said again, then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, evening came, and then morning, the second day. That's why it says evening came, then morning, the second day, because evening is the beginning of the next day. Evening came, and then morning the next day. Then God said, okay, all right. The expanse, the word is rakia. It means to spread out. Expanse means to spread out. Let there be an an expanse. Spread out between the water, separating water from water. Um, God is separating separating the sky from the earth. The waters are separated to form an expanse called the sky. That's what God is doing here. Or, we could, or we could, sometimes we refer to them as the heavens. And it simply means what is above us. We look up and we say, look at the heavens, we look above. And it just means the sky. Okay? The word is shamayim, is what we see above us. So God is separating. God separated water under the expanse. And I, when I was reading this, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to understand this. You know, God is deep. You know, he can be deep sometimes. I'm trying to understand how he did this or what he's doing. But it says, God separated water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And by creating an atmosphere... The lighter parts of the waters which overspread the earth's surface were drawn up and suspended in the visible heavens, while the larger and heavier mass remained below and the air separated the waters. Now, if you can figure that out, talk to me afterwards. <laughs> so this, that's what God did. He separated, all right? Um, and God called the expanse sky. That's what he called. He separated, God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse sky. We call that the sky. And evening came, and then morning, the second day. So that was creation on the second day. All right. Let's go to the next day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. Okay? Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Notice every time he did something, it was so. It happened. God called the dry land earth, and he called the gathering of the water seas. Okay, we know what that is. And God saw that it was good. Okay, all right. Now, um, God gathers waters to create the, the continent. So, like he said, the earth, and, it was, and God called the dry land earth, which is what we all know. He created earth, the dry land. And he called uh, the water seas. And that's what, we, that's what we have. Now, let's look at Job chapter 38. This is God talking. Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its blanket. When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place. When I declared, you may come this far, but no farther. Your proud waves stop here. So he says, He's asking a question. Who enclosed the sea behind the doors when it burst from the womb? Who did all of that? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its blanket, when I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place, its boundaries, 
When I declared, you may come this far, see, but no farther. That's why the seas don't run up upon you when you go to the beach. Because God said, you're not going any further. You stop right here. Because God set boundaries, the land and the sea, remember? You may come this far, but no further. Your proud waves stop right here. Because they need to enjoy the beach. That's what he's talking about here. Okay. Um, let's look at another verse. Psalm 104, verses 1 through 9. My soul praise Yahweh, Lord my God. You are very great. You are clothed with majesty and splendor. He wraps himself in light as if it were a robe. He wraps himself in light and darkness. Right? You know. All right. Okay. <laughs> he wraps himself in light as if it were a robe, spreading out the sky like a canopy, laying the beams of his palace on the waters above, making the clouds his chariot, walking on the wings of the wind, and making the winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He established the earth on its foundations. It will never be shaken. The earth will never be shaken. He said he established it on its foundations. It will never be shaken, no matter what you see on the news. You covered it with the deep as if it were a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the place you established for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. They will never cover the earth again. No more flood. God set the boundaries. He says, they will never cover the earth again. So that was all in creation. God set those boundaries. From the, from the very beginning, he said, okay, that's it, no more. Okay? All right. Uh, let me go back, yeah. God made the expanse, separate the waters under the expanse from the waters. God called the expanse sky. Evening came in the second, the second day. All right. Um, then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. You're going to see that repeated, according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and the morning, the third day. That's day three. Okay, all right. Uh, Vegetation, according to their kind. God supplies food for the anticipated human and animal life that's coming. He already put food in place before the humans were there, before the animals were there. He said, and let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. Apples only give you other apples. Right? Okay, and this shows that creation is not a matter of chance, but divine providence. It's not a matter of chance. This, all this stuff is not by chance. There's no evolution here. This is God's providential hand at work. Amen? But divine providence. And this is the last time God is going to name something. He called vegetation. This is the last time God named something. All right? He's going to leave the naming, the naming uh, afterwards to Adam. All right. Chapter verse 14. Then God said again, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from night. 
They will serve as signs for festivals and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to have dominion over the day and the lesser light to have dominion over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to dominate the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the fourth day, day four. All right. Uh, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from night. We're talking about the sun, moon, and stars. All right. Let there be lights in the expanse, in the sky. Sun, moon, and stars. And they're used to order and define the passing of time and to provide light on the earth. They will be uh, signs, they will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide, li- to provide light on the earth. And then it says, and it was so. They will serve as signs for festivals and for days and for years. What's he talking about? Worship festivals, religious observances. That's what they were, part of what they were used for. Um, and it's interesting that God, even before he created man, he put in place the things that he, man would use to, to help worship him. For worship festivals, religious observance, even that. And there, also the earth's movement in relation to the sun and moon that determine the seasons of the calendar. That's how we determine the seasons of the calendar as well. God made all of this stuff. And the, and the thing is, um, in ancient Middle East, the other cultures worship those things as deities. They worship the sun, moon, and stars as gods. And God is showing his sovereignty and dominion over them. I created that. How are you going to worship? I created that. You worship me, not the thing I created. <laughs> All of these things were, were created for the activities of human life. The weather. We need, we need these things to determine the weather. The weathermen look at the, the sun. They look at that astronomy. Okay, navigators use them to direct their path. Not to be worshipped. Not to be worshipped. Deuteronomy chapter 4. For your own good, this is God speaking to his, his people, be extremely careful because you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you out of the fire at Horeb. You didn't see no shape. You didn't see anything. Not to act corruptly and make an idol for yourselves in the shape of any figure, a male or female form. Don't be making nothing to worship, male or female. Okay, you didn't see anything. Or the form of any beast on the earth, no animal, any winged creature that flies in the sky, any creature that crawls on the ground, or any fish in the waters under the earth. Don't make no idol out of none of those things. Okay? Verse 19. When you look to the heavens and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the array of heaven, do not be led astray to bow down and worship them, which is what the other cultures were doing. God said, you don't do that. You don't bow down and worship the sun. The Egypt, that's what they did in Egypt. Sun worship. He gave them a warning. He said, don't you do that. Do not be led astray to bow down and worship them. The Lord your God has provided them for all people everywhere under heaven. Did you see that? He said, I created that for everybody, not just y'all. Everybody uses these. Even pagans. They went too far and worshiped. But God said, you're a separate people. Don't do like the pagans around you. The Lord your God has provided them for all peoples everywhere under heaven. But the Lord selected you and brought you out of Egypt's iron furnace to be a people for his inheritance as you are today. I chose you out of everybody else. I picked y'all out to be different. You don't worship the creation. You worship the creator 
who is Elohim, the creator, the one who can bara, create out of ex nihilo. If anybody deserves to be worshipped, that person does. The focus in Genesis is on the earth, oddly enough, not the, not the skies, the earth in particular. And then he says, I, lo- I love this. Um, where is it at? Uh, verse, um, verse 16, God made the two great lights, the greater light to have dominion over the day, the sun, and the lesser light to have dominion over the night, the moon. And then he says, as well as the stars. The King James says, and he made the stars also. It's kind of like a haphazard, like nonchalant thing. Like, oh, by the way, he made all those billions and billions and billions of stars. By the way, God made them too. I love that. I'm like, it's like, I, like that's no big deal. <laughs> and, and by the way, God made all those stars too. <laughs> really? <laughs> all billion, 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 billion of them? Yep. I love this quote. Scriptures were given to us not to make us astronomers. Now, there's nothing wrong with astronomy. When you see all of this, and the astronomers, and that's good, that's a great job, that's nothing wrong with that. As long as you don't become, you know, like, get into astrology and start planning your day based on, you know, your Pisces or Gemini and all that kind of stuff. No. Um, scriptures were not given to us to make us astronomers, but to lead us to God and make us saints. I love that quote. The scriptures were given to us not to make us astronomers, not to look at it and say, oh, the sun, moon, and stars, okay, no, he gave it to us so we can be in awe of the creator God and surrender and bow down to him and make us saints. That's why. All right. Verse 20. Then God said, let the water swarm with the living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the spans of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged bird according to his kind, and God saw that it was good. So God blessed them, be fruitful. Yeah, God blessed them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth of the seas, and fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, and then morning, the fifth day. Day five, here we are. All right. Let the waters swarm with living creatures. Waters and sky are filled with different kinds of creatures. That's what happened here. He says, let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures. That's talking about whales, sharks, serpents, dragons, crocodiles. That's what he's talking about. The birds of the sky, all of them. And look at what he says. According to their kinds. Again, you're only going to get what you are. Whales only produce other whales. Sharks only produce other. Now, you can be, have a different kind of shark. A dog can create a different kind of dog, but you're only going to get a dog. A dog ain't going to create a giraffe. I don't care what they tell you in school and in the science books. That ain't happening. Okay, same thing with human beings. Human beings only produce other human beings. The women ain't having no cats. Okay? <laughs> now, you may have different types of human beings, black, white, yellow, black, but you're only going to get a human being, is the point. You ain't getting no animal. Because after your kind only, you're not going to evolve into something else. We didn't evolve from monkeys. 
Okay, I know I said in those, in those books you see the man, the monkey, the foolishness. We didn't come from monkeys or gorillas or nothing else. We came from Elohim. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, and there was a built-in capacity and desire for creation to reproduce. There's a built-in capacity for all of them to just, to just do that, just built to just after themselves. Same thing with us. Winged birds. He also created every winged bird according to its kind. Talk about insects. Even winged down all the little bugs that y'all can't stand and scared of. God created all of them. Little roaches and, you know, and, and, and spiders. and <laughs> God created them. God created them. <laughs> They're beautiful creatures, ladies. God, God created those. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> All right. Um, and look what he said. He said, and God blessed them. That's the first time the word blessed is used. He said, God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. He told the animals, be fruitful, multiply, create more of each other. Psalm 104, verse 24 and 25. How countless are your works, Lord. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number. There's so many of them. You know, there's creatures, there's, there's things at the bottom of the earth that nobody has seen or found. And I'm scared to get down there and see what's down there myself. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know what's down there. Vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. Right here on day five. All right. Verse 24. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I got seven minutes. <laughs> then God said, <laughs> let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that crawl and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. Again. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. All right. Uh, the living creatures, livestock, God let the earth produce living creatures. Now, these groups of animals are divided into, into three categories. The domesticated kind, the domesticated animals, sheep, goats, cattle, the small uh, crawling creatures, rats, lizards, insects, and then the large game predatory animals, gazelles, lions, tigers, that kind of thing. He says, that's why he says, uh, living creatures, livestock, creatures that crawl, and wildlife. And that was the Jewish way of categorizing these animals, particularly the shepherds. When they would go out, they would see them in that, in, in the, in that, in that vein, in that light. Um, but all of those he created on the fifth day. Um, creatures, uh, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth, again, according to their kind. Now, the sixth day is broken up into two parts. Um, um, part one and part two. Now, um, verse 26 and 27 talks about um, man being made in God's image. Um, and God made man in his image, according to his image he made him, male and female he made them. Chris is going to deal with those two verses next week. Because that's the message all in itself. 
Okay, so I'm not going to read those. I'm not going to deal with those two verses because Chris is going to crush those next week. I'll let him deal with the image of God. But that's after this, um, after the sixth day, uh, verse 26 and 27. So I'm just going to jump to verse 28 and deal with what God said after uh, he created man. Okay, and Chris, like I said, is going to deal with the image of God next week, verse 26 and 27. Um, He only has two verses. I had 31, but, you know. Life just isn't fair sometimes. It just isn't fair. All right. (laughs) Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. All the stuff I just created. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This food will be for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth. Everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw that it was what he had made, and it was very good. Evening came, and the morning, the sixth day. Okay, God said, Adam, Eve, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Now, be fruitful. I think we all know what that means. Be fruitful. The kid's gone. (laughs) have lots of sex and create more people like you. Multiply the earth. Populate all of this vast land that I just created. (laughs) Be fruitful. Multiply. Make more after your kind. Amen? God is good. (laughs) Fill. (laughs) Subdue the earth. What does he mean by that? Fill the earth, subdue it. Subdue it, the, the Hebrew word is kabosh. It means to make earth, resource, earth resources beneficial for themselves and ultimately for us. He says, subdue the earth, Adam, Eve. Make, make earth resources beneficial for you. Gain a knowledge and mastery over your material environment. That's what it means to subdue. Gain a mastery a knowledge and a mastery over your material environment. Man was God's representative and ruling over the earth. God said, I created all of this. The Bible says, let me see if I quote it right. Um, the heavens belong to, 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 to God, but the earth he has given to the children of men. God said, okay, now I created this. Now I want you to have dominion over it. I want you to, I'm going to give you control of it, Adam. He is to govern it wisely. Not abusively. Don't abuse this, Adam. Don't abuse it. Now, there's, now we, can, we can always take things to the extreme. You know, we take care of the environment. Yes, we do that. You know, but we don't worship the environment. We're not tree huggers. You take care of the trees. We plant them. And that's all good. We do that. But, but the, the environment is not made after the image of God. We are. And we take care of it. Yes, we do. And God has given us dominion. He says, take dominion over it. I've given it to you, Adam. Psalm 8, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, I think to myself, what is man that you remember him? David said, listen, when I look at out there, when I see all the sun, moon, and stars, and everything you... What are you so concerned about me for, Lord? 
What is man that you remember him? The son of man that you look after him? Why are you so concerned with me? Why are you stuck on me, God? You made him little less than God himself and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him Lord over the works of your hands. I'm making you Lord over everything that I just created, Adam, that I just put in place. I want you to be Lord over. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Yahweh, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. Now, obviously, the fall has affected this. And, and, and we do see people go out and, and deal in the wild, you know, the guy from Australia, whatever his name is. And they, but, you know, now I don't want to do that, but there are people that do that. They go out and they take, and they, and they, and they take dominion over animals, people who, who um, even have, have animals as pets. Certain animals I don't think you should have as pets, as pets. <laughs> I don't want a lion as a pet. But, but God has given us dominion, originally given us dominion over that. And, that. and that puts man in a different category. That separates man from the rest of creation. I'm giving you dominion. I'm making you in my image. You, you create too, Adam. You, I'm giving you dominion, dominion over all of these things that I created. That puts us in a different category. We are not the same as animals. We are created in God's image and likeness. Giraffes are not. Animals are not. Now, we don't abuse animals. We take care, the Bible even talks about in the Proverbs, taking care of your, 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 your animal, your pet. That's important. That's good. But, and we know that. We, we, we know that intuitively, that humans are different. When we, when we drive down the street and we see roadkill, and no big deal really does. When we see a deer, a lot of times the fish are laying on the side. We don't stop and go see if the deer is something wrong. But if we see a human being laying on the side of the road, you almost crash stopping. Go, wait a minute, that's a, that's a human being. That's not a deer. That's not roadkill. That's my brother, my sister. I need to stop and find out what's wrong, what happened. That's the difference. We're made in, in the image and likeness of God. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And then he says, then he, he says um, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This food will be for you and for all the wildlife. Seed-bearing plant. Before Genesis chapter 9, humans were vegetarians. That's all we ate. He said, I've given that you, and also the animals. They didn't, they didn't eat each other. This is what they ate. He said, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the earth. Every tree whose fruit contains seed. Uh, vegetables, fruits and vegetables. That's what we ate. Everybody was a vegetarian before the fall. And for every creature that crawls on the earth. Um, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. So we were vegetarians. Now, after that, we were allowed to eat, and, and animals, unfortunately, <laughs> more fortunately, eat each other now. Now, I can eat some chicken now. That's okay. That's not a sin. Okay? Thank God. Praise the Lord. Amen? Because <laughs> I really don't want to eat lettuce all the time. But, <laughs> but, uh, but God has given us the freedom now to eat animals. Now, we also see that lions chase after zebras and eat them, you know. 
But anyway, that, didn't, that wasn't until after the fall. All right, last verse, last verse. After all of this, what are we to do? After realizing who this God is, not that I was quick and brief, after all of this, after realizing who this God is, Revelation chapter 4, this is the end of all things. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne, worship the one who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne and say, O Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because you have created all things, and because of your will, they exist and were created. So, after all of this, realizing that God created all, he says, you created all things. And it says they bow down and they worship the one who lives forever and ever. He created all things. God, you created everything. Genesis chapter 1, Lord, you are the creator. And you are, because of that, you are worthy of my worship. That's what we do. We, the, the, the scripture we read earlier in Psalm, Psalm 95, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our creator. For he is our God. And we are the sheep of his pasture. So this creator God, this Elohim, deserves all of our worship and praise. Because of his creative act, he's so awesome and magnificent as creator God, who speaks things into existence out of nothing, ex nihilo. And he has given me dominion. Even though he created all of this, he stuck on me for some reason. Not because of me but because of Jesus, who thought enough of me to come and die. He didn't come die for goats and animals, and he didn't come die for them. He came to die for those who were made in the image and likeness of God. So we're gonna take communion. We're gonna sing a song, we're gonna take communion, and we're gonna be reminded of the sacrifice that was made by this God through his son, Jesus Christ who loved us enough to sacrifice his own life, who is called the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And we're going to celebrate that today and bow down and worship this creator God.